killed Matthew McConaughey. He's dead? He's brought back to life, but he was momentarily dead. You owe me. Go across the country, get 10 more episodes of Between Two Ferns. 10, your dumb internet talk show, and you give me a network talk show. I'm a white man, and I'm straight, and I deserve it. <laughs> well, you guys deserve this show! Welcome to Cord Killers, the show about watching the stuff you love, when you want, where you want, however you want. I'm Tom Merritt. Uh, hey, I'm Brian Brushwood, and most importantly, that looks like the movie version of Between Two Ferns, which I guess would be a, like a Borat, only if everybody was in on it. <laughs> Like everybody yeah. who shows up on that show knows that mm -hmm. he's going to ask inappropriate antagonistic questions, right? Yeah, and it's all celebrities. There's a huge list of celebrities that they that they've got. It's too long to even list here. That's coming September twentieth. There's a 20th. plot. There's it's a not plot. just episodes of Between Two Ferns. There's mm -hmm. a there's a story, Brian. That that's why I said Borat, uh, because Borat did the exact same thing. Sure. They did. Well, I think it's just called fiction. Uh, no, because uh, Borat uh, Borat would use people who were not in on the joke and, right. and, and punk them, whereas this is essentially the same structure as Borat, only everybody is in on the joke, even though they don't know, they know what they're signing up for, whereas everybody in Borat did not know what they I were signing up that's for. That's what I mean. I yeah. think if you're in on the joke, then it's just called fiction. Well, uh, I think there are genuine moments of unscriptedness in there, because otherwise that's that would improv. be undercutting the entire lifeblood out of it. But it's not improv if if you're genuinely being shocked by the way you're being treated improv you're aware and you're manufacturing i think we need a, I need, I think we need a third party to weigh in on this brian all right you know what i'm gonna bring in from forbes uh meryl bar adjudicate this i all right no, no i I, be, I almost went disembodied voice because i have a thought here brian the word you're looking for is mumblecore it's literally, you're literally describing the genre of mumblecore. That's what they're saying. They're, it's, do you know what? Do you know mumblecore? Are you aware? I, I've heard the name, but I but I've never heard Have it you defined. Seen, did you watch the league? Uh, sure. Yes. That's a mumblecore show. It's basically saying we know the structure, we know the story. We we're not going to write dialogue. We're going to just tell you that every um, what's that? What dude's name? The two brothers. The I can't remember their damn names. Um, but they're like the one, the guy who played Pete in the league. Him and his brother kind of invented the genre. But uh, um, I mean, it sounds like. Wait, how is that different from something like Curb Your Enthusiasm? That is Curb Your Enthusiasm. That's okay. exactly what it but, is. That's but another Curb Your Enthusiasm, all parties know the beats. But in this, yes. I suspect that the guests know none of the beats. They just know, they know that they're going to be thrown to a wolf. the scenario is that they're walking into a situation of a fake interview, and they're going to be asked for questions, and then it's just making up the being funny and making up the dialogue to bounce back and forth. That's why certain celebrities kind of suck it between two friends. I've seen the Bruce Willis episode. <laughs> right, right. And like that he's not the kind of guy who does that kind of thing. Whereas I imagine like in the trailer you see, for example, um, um, Brie Larson pop up and like Brie Larson could totally do that. So uh, I think that, you know, I think that it's all comes down to the which celebrity is good, good at improv and which isn't. But I mean, the, there is a word for this. It's, it is called this is mumblecore. It feels like I'll that's, accept that. I'll accept mumblecore as the, as the uh, the adjudication here. Thank goodness you were here. Now that that <laughs> said, that said, I don't watch Between Two Friends much ever. And but I'm suddenly kind of interested in this movie. Oh, because so there's also a story. I mean, there's right. the mumblecore parts. But then there's the part with Will Ferrell where he's like saying, you give me 10 more episodes and then I'll give you a talk show and you have to drive across the country, blah, 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 blah. 
So Keep I, in I, mind, don't know. I guess actually, we'll find out September 20th. If how much of anything, that, uh, I would say that this is probably going to be closest to the very first thing that I saw Zach Galifianakis in, which was uh, Dog Bites Man, which was fantastic because they would they, everything was scripted with the four principal actors and then they would have a meeting and they would bring in a fashion consultant and all four of them on the table were in on the beats they needed to hit but the fashion consultant thought they were just there they signed releases because they were told there's because it took place at a news uh, uh, station so they didn't know what they were in for so uh, I, I, I mean I get I don't know where that lands on because because Borat, Borat isn't mumblecore because people aren't no you know, I don't I, no, I, that's I don't, not mumblecore yeah I don't think this has much to do with Borat Borat's fooling people and kind of faux documentary it's I don't jackassy think, no, yeah uh, I disagree cordkillers at gmail.com uh, if you think that it's all the same and and not knowing any of the questions and uh uh, I, I don't know. I, I disagree. But and what is all assumptions about a movie uh, we've not seen? Gmail.com if you think Brian's right. No. Okay. <laughs> we don't or need wrong. to hear from you otherwise. Or okay? wrong. We just want to hear from you. But more importantly, we want to hear, they want to hear about the primary target. Yes, indeed. Uh, Timothy Beadley over at Ars Technica has an article up uh, called, Should YouTube Stop Using Algorithms? to recommend videos. Now, as you might expect, a lot of the, the setup in his column is premised on, on political stuff and, and, and uh, uh, you know, terrorism and, and feeding you bad things. Uh, but I think even if you're not worried about that, I don't know how many of you are or are not, but there is something to his argument that says, YouTube is not a very good experience. It could, maybe you think it's a dangerous experience, maybe you just think it's disappointing, but YouTube is not a very good experience when it's constantly feeding you something that you're like, wait a minute, this, this person actually doesn't know what they're talking about. So here's his premise. YouTube should stop making algorithmic video recommendations. When a video finishes playing, YouTube should show the next video in the same channel, or maybe it could show users a video selected from a list of high quality videos curated by people, YouTube employees. But the current approach in which an algorithm tries to recommend the most engaging videos without worrying about whether they're any good has got to go. Now, this isn't about taking videos down, it's about recommendations. So it's not censorship. It stays away from platform neutrality threats. It's just saying YouTube can make a recommendation, right? They're, they don't have to take things down to do that. Uh, it is, however, picking winners and losers, which YouTube has a constant battle with creators about with the algorithm. People accuse YouTube of picking winners and losers with the algorithm, and this would be YouTube actually picking winners and losers. Also, not all recommendations could be curated at the scale at which YouTube works. Like it's just not possible for, for a human being to make all the recommendations. So there'd have to be some kind of algorithmic involvement at some point, just because of the number of users and the number of videos that YouTube has. I have been looking at the pop-ups that come up on my phone saying, you should watch this video, getting excited, like, ooh, an inside video at Star Trek Discovery or new news about Star Wars, tapping it and then realizing, no, it's not. This is somebody who made a video based on almost no information and it's going to waste my time. And I've gotten very frustrated at that. Uh, Brian and Merrill, I'm, I'm, I'm curious how you guys feel on this. Uh, I would love to hear Merrill's take before I chime in. All right, all right so... I, I had to think about this because sometimes I think about the algorithm things and I don't them. First of all, when it's talking about the um, let's play videos in the same channel, um, the only way in which I end up in a situation where I'm seeing videos on channels I've never heard of is when I play a video that's been recommended to me on the homepage of YouTube. Otherwise, for example, 
the first time I came on the show was after I wrote an article about the modern rogue. Right. And I told talked about how I fall asleep to the modern rogue because I'll just let it play and let YouTube go. YouTube, if I go to the modern rogue channel and start playing an episode of the modern rogue, the next video that comes up on the algorithm has never not been another modern rogue show. Because you started in the channel. Because I started okay. at the okay. channel. I started there. The situation of being on the homepage um, sort of brings me to another point in that same article where they quote um, Giyami uh, uh, Shaslot, I believe, that, and YouTube's recommendation engine quote isn't built to help you get what you want. It's built to help you get addicted to YouTube. That is the point of every platform like this. Their goal is to keep you watching. The idea of the YouTube hole is a thing. And if they believe, well, if we throw the, if the algorithm says, hey, we throw this video on the homepage, they are very likely to watch it, and then just keep staying in that pattern. I mean, that's the business model of YouTube. You're fighting the business model at that point. I will say to this recommendation that I understand where this comes from, that there are ugly artifacts where the algorithm, absent human curation, leads people into some toxic, poor quality, low quality stuff. However, this is the dumbest suggestion I've ever heard. YouTube used to pick winners and losers. They decided, humans decided, oh, well, this Chocolate Rain is kind of a fun video. Let's make the entire front page all parodies and tributes to Chocolate Rain. They picked a winner. Uh, and, and as far as I know, uh, Tay's on Day is not tearing up with his new daytime talk show or anything. Uh, I love you, Tay. Uh, daytime, though, would be a pretty cool. Name. Sure, right? <laughs> uh, uh, they used to pick winners and losers, and it was an abjectly bad solution. The YouTube algorithm sorts for relevancy. If something has a clickbait title, within the first four seconds, you can tell this is garbage content and you click off of it. The algorithm notes it. It knows that this is bad content and it intentionally hides it. That is a good thing. When I, uh, uh, per this solution, the last time I desperately needed the help of YouTube, it was because my starter wouldn't start on my Jeep. And I was able to say, hey man, what do I do with the starter not working on the Jeep? And it found a relevant video and it said, hey, uh, bang on it with a rock. I was like, well, now I got to find it. And I went to go search more like where's the starter on the Jeep. And uh, from the previous stuff, the whole recommended recommended uh, stuff on the side, other tutorials to give me more information about how to fix the starter on my car. That was objectively or that was abjectly good. And it was self-sorted for high quality content that people watch through all the, all the way to the end versus who's friends with the moderators and all that stuff. That's why that's why I'm very frustrated with the Reddit environment, because those are humans, humans who respond to flattery, humans who respond to gift giving, humans who respond to uh, uh, perceived investment in an intellectual property years before uh, the algorithm is unbelievably good. It's so good that people get mad when they discover that they're not subscribed to one of their favorite channels because the algorithm is so good at watching their behaviors, it keeps serving up the content without them ever even having to uh, subscribe. You'll notice every time a video ends, it gives you three types of videos in the recommended feed. One is more of the same creator that you just saw. The other is more in the genre of related stuff because maybe you're watching this because you're trying to fix the starter on your Jeep. Let me show you some alternates. And the third is something it already knows you like. It's giving you the opportunity to go farther down the rabbit hole or to, to jump off and, and go to something safe. This seems totally sensible to me. It is the reason 
that the modern rogue is creeping up on a million subscribers is because of the discovery elements of the algorithm. And to tinker with that and to say universally that an algorithm is a bad thing uh, is 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 uh, stupid. It's the dumbest thing ever. I mean, well, you, I mean, you would say that because it would hurt your business. Well, yes, but but think of the success story of Scam School. Scam School is a channel where we teach magic tricks. Nowhere in the title, no, barely in any of the descriptions, do we ever say the word magic. That is by design because we want to appeal to a bigger audience that's better. Yet, because the algorithm is so good at sensing connections, somebody who does type the word magic tricks start seeing us in related content. And when they jump over, they fall in love with our higher production quality, our well, in the okay, field but, shoots but and all that stuff. To, to my point is the current system works well for you. Well, okay. I, I mean, if we're going to play, all right, fine, I guess. But I mean, this, the article, if you, when you read the whole article, it also goes into parts about how people are now using YouTube for medical advice, which one terrible idea. Uh, but more of the point, it feels like what this article is trying to do in, in trying to get at in, underneath the algorithm conversation is that YouTube does not display any sense of responsibility for the power it wields. Now, that is a much different discussion than the algorithm discussion, but it is a discussion that is YouTube responsible with its power? That's the debatable question. Is the algorithm the reason for its irresponsibility? No. Is it an element of its irresponsibility? Possibly. But it's real. the real discussion to me is is YouTube a responsible platform? And it's probably nowhere less more responsible than Twitter is. And tw we how many times do we have to have the conversation about the um, the uh, the far you know the far-reaching conspiracy theory views on Twitter? I mean, they exist on YouTube, they exist on Twitter, they exist on Facebook. This is a much bigger conversation than whether or not an algorithm is good for us or not. Yeah, the whole responsibility thing does lead into the censorship part of this. And what I what I liked is talking about the algorithm and human curation says, look, we don't have to have YouTube decide what categories of speech are acceptable or aren't maybe as much if we have them deciding what stuff is actually good, right? It's just focusing on a different end of the problem. And I found that intriguing. Uh, Brian, to your point, I don't have that experience with YouTube where I don't think I'm I think I'm subscribed to a channel I don't like. Maybe it's because I just don't use YouTube enough, but it's always recommending to me a video that I can tell is wor not worth my time. Uh, it is always popping up these notifications that give me a, a, a not even a clickbait headline, just like uh, secrets of Star Wars. And then I look in and I see the description. I'm like, oh, it's just got somebody's theories, right? I, I think there is... Uh, a balance that could be struck where YouTube could preserve all the good things that you're talking about, the discovery that is that is not YouTube picking winners and losers, but still allow me to say like, yeah, but you know, I want trusted sources more often, especially in these particular categories. Maybe it's customization, I don't know, but the, to me, there's something there. I agree with you, Merrill, that that getting rid of the algorithm doesn't solve the more serious underlying problems though. I, I think that you are fixated on the ugly parts, the ugly artifacts on the fringes. No, no, of no, no, things. no, no, no. That, I, I actually, I, I hesitate to interrupt you, but I want to make it clear that I'm not fixated on the ugly parts. I'm fixated on the very slightly disappointing parts. And I think that's why I'm more excited to talk about this. If it was just the ugly parts, then this breaks down into the conversation about responsibility and censorship and all that. But to me, it's like YouTube just doesn't have a very good recommendation algorithm. It's disappointing. It should be better at it. I would love it if YouTube worked the way you just described it, but it doesn't. It just shows me 
kind of average, slightly disappointing stuff that I'm like, no, that's not that's not what I, I mean. Want. Also, it goes back to the point that one, I have a serious question. How often are you guys in a situation where you're utilizing that recommendation algorithm? How often are you? One hundred percent. I never. I you're, never. And you're, you're, you're watching something you didn't intend. You did not intend to watch that often. Uh, well, no. I mean, I I turn on the YouTube the way I used to turn on the television. And on the side, it says, you know, or maybe I watch a video that I want to watch. And then the recommended feed almost is that's the black hole out of which I never escape. I, I just right. click on everything yeah, in, in that, there. In a good way, though. Yeah. Right. And that inherently is what they want. They want you falling into that hole. And I guess and then it's really but more importantly, uh, it, that's where I want to be is with being right. handed a menu of relevant choices, three different categories related to what I'm watching, more of the yeah. same creator, or go back I to something relevant safe. Choices. That's I, that's my biggest frustration. I mean, I, 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 it showed me relevant. things that at first glance sound like relevant choices, but then when I look closer, I'm like, no, this isn't interesting. I, I mean, look, uh, uh, garbage in, garbage out. If you're if you're not watching enough yeah. of the right stuff, then the, it's it only works well, with what it sees you in. do. It's like nothing in, garbage out. Maybe I that's mean, the problem. I'll make a case that the algorithm is not as smart as some as YouTube tries to act. For a good example, once in a blue moon, um, a, 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 a an old wrestling video will pop through my recommended videos homepage, and it'll be from like, "Do you want to watch the clip of mankind being chucked off the cell in '98?" Sure, and then I'll watch it, and then suddenly for the next three weeks, YouTube thinks I only want to watch wrestling videos on my homepage. Like it's not that smart. <laughs> I mean, it gets it gets the message eventually, though, uh, because it pays attention. Like, there's a reason that despite having nearly two million subscribers, the Scam Nation channel, most videos come out to 50,000 views because people move beyond magic and they stop clicking on it. So even though they're subscribed, like by 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 the logic of this, it's like, well, if you subscribe, you should get those videos. Dude, people clicked subscribe back when they were in eighth grade. Now they're a senior in college. It's like, no, they shouldn't be force fed, especially because occasionally we make a bad video. And you know what the algorithm does? It notices that that people aren't opening it because the title and thumbnail aren't appealing. When they do open it, they they tap out in the first 30 seconds and the algorithm correctly says, I don't know what this video is, but I know that even the hardcore fans of this channel don't seem to like it. So I'm going to very soft sell it. That's that's all smart stuff. I think it does a great job. Yeah, man, I just uh, I just wish I had that experience. And, 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 And I think we hit on it that I just don't use YouTube well enough for that to work. If I were a more frequent case study for your YouTube and, and it was having problems losing, losing viewers, then, then maybe my problem would be worth solving, but I don't think it is. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe what I'm learning about myself today, thanks to YouTube is that YouTube is not for me anymore. I just, and, and I should just stop using it. Yep. No, <laughs> well, no, I mean, I- you, don't, you don't, you can't say to people like, I don't want to use YouTube anymore because then it, that's like saying I don't want food anymore. <laughs> no, like no, YouTube- I'm not saying I don't want to use it. I actually do, or I wouldn't even care about this this situation. I just maybe it maybe it's wrong. Maybe it's the wrong platform for me. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I I don't know. I don't know where else you would go. <laughs> I mean, if you want uh, nothing but paid for sponsored posts, you could go live in Facebook. Uh, uh, yeah, or Hulu oh, or Netflix or point, other point. videos. What, the, no, I mean, I guess I'm not saying stop watching YouTube videos. Obviously, I'll continue to watch cord killers on YouTube because I'll click through from their website. But maybe not. Maybe for me, 
just not going to YouTube to watch anything. Don't expect, turn those notifications off. Just don't expect it to show me anything unsolicited that I want. The the other thing is the alternative to a uh, a you know a um an unbiased algorithm is not only the human curation but the ability for that uh, section of YouTube to start being bought. Like the way there's trending topics on Twitter, but there's mm -hmm. always one or two sponsored trendings that are always at the top. Ugh. Pretty soon, like the next step is like YouTube saying, well. They don't care anyway, so we'll just rent out this space. Who wants to buy the top spot on the recommended videos page? Right, and that's when you end up with Google search, right? Where you, right. a lot of people feel like they have to buy an ad to get seen. Same on Facebook, too. Well, instead of that, why don't you buy a little bit of time watching Cord Killers? Yeah, man, you can make it happen. Head on over to patreon.com slash cord killers. You can keep us loud, live, and independent. You'll notice that we don't have any ads, except for ads for our own stuff, but that seems fair. Uh, if you guys can join the 1,300-plus patrons that saved our lives. You know, when we were back on a network, we were beholden to what the network told us to do. Then all of a sudden, we discovered uh, the joys of flying the galaxy in our own spaceship, and it was brought to us by you guys. Thank you to every single one of you beautiful, beautiful patrons. Yeah, folks, if you want us to continue to do cool stuff like Spoiler in Time, uh, the After Talk episodes that only go to patrons, the movie draft, the winter movie draft is going to be coming September 23rd, then you got to help us out, patreon.com slash cordkillers. All right, folks, let's talk about how to watch. The IFA conference happened in Berlin last week. Uh, it's kind of like a CES for Europe, although the Europeans will tell you it's much bigger. Uh, but uh, a couple of announcements. In fact, parallel announcements from Amazon and Roku happened last week as a result. Amazon announced a revamped Fire TV Cube streaming device. Uh, comes with an IR blaster now, faster processor, local voice control, meaning not all commands get sent to the cloud for processing. Some can be done right on the device, uh, especially things like moving around the interface. The new Fire TV Cube is uh, available for pre-order in the United States for $120, as well as in Canada, the UK, Germany, and Japan, available in November. Amazon also announced the Nebula Soundbar Fire TV edition made by Anchor, which can stream video, play music, sync with other Echo speakers, and includes a remote control with a microphone. Pre-orders are open in the same regions now. Price is $230 for that. Amazon's also selling a Grundig-made OLED TV with a built-in Fire TV software. It's the first Fire TV television with far-field voice controls, so you can just use it like you would use an Amazon Echo, but it's a TV that's available in Austria and Germany in November. There's also a JVC-made TV with Fire TV built coming uh, to Curry's in the UK. Uh, Germany's Media Markt and Saturn will begin selling house brand Fire TV sets next year. And here in the old US of A, Amazon announced a new 65-inch Toshiba Fire TV set. So Fire TV showing up in more televisions. Yeah, which seems like a smart play because whatever Roku hasn't already grabbed, I mean, obviously that's fertile territory. It seems like, uh, and to be honest, you know, I use my Roku mainly as a way to access all of my Amazon content. This would be a middle step to to make it go faster. I mean, the fire uh, fire always feels like the 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 redhead stepchild of streaming platforms. Like, there's, I feel like, Ro in terms of ubiquity, Roku's top dog. But in terms of popularity and, and namesake, Apple Apple TV buzziness, is like the, yeah, is buzziness. Yeah. Apple TV takes the cake there. But Fire has neither of those things. And the 
the issue with Fire versus Roku to me comes down to the fact that Roku is much more um, liberal about what it will and won't allow on its platform versus what Amazon will and won't allow on its platform. Um, and to me, I'll take Roku over Fire any day. That said, if you're a Fire fan and you're looking to upgrade your systems, this is good news for you. I mean, that's really the crux of it to me. And, and, and let's uh, hold off talking about that smart speaker, uh, because I think that's interesting because Roku announced their own smart soundbar. Now, Amazon's is made by Anchor. Uh, it streams video, plays music, syncs with Echo speakers, remote control with a mic. Uh, it's pretty much a Fire TV in a soundbar. Roku's smart soundbar has a 4K Roku Ultra inside as well. It can connect to any TV using either the HDMI ARC port or optical audio and connect to devices by Bluetooth. So you could like send some music from your phone to the soundbar over Bluetooth if you wanted. It supports Dolby Audio and advanced signal processes to maintain sync. Also has new volume modes like a night mode that raises the dialogue of a movie uh, without raising the volume of explosions if you're trying not to wake people up in your house. Uh, Roku also announced the wireless subwoofer that connects to the Roku smart soundbar by Wi-Fi. Both devices available for pre-order for 179 bucks. So it's a little cheaper than the Anchor Fire TV soundbar. Uh, but I, I thought this was an interesting trend to see both these companies coming out with saying, okay, how do we make, you know, the people who don't want to buy a little box, the people who don't want to buy a full TV, maybe they want to buy a soundbar. The soundbar will be the thing they want to add to their television and we can be the operating system inside of that. Yeah, okay. specifically that integration with the with the Amazon Echo is intriguing to me because um, the Echo as a standalone device, I, I mean, I assume that you would still have to have an Echo. This would just be relaying information. No, no, I think it would. I think it's got Echo built in. Oh, Echo Amazon Voice Services features built in. If that's just like you can with the Fire TV Cube. If that is the case, then then I'm all in on that because it's something that's socially invisible. Like you know, instead of your uh, Echo getting smaller and smaller, it's how about it's just vanished, kind of like uh, with when iPods got smaller with the iPod mini and then the nano and then uh, the shuffle and I mean, then suddenly sync with the other echo speakers obviously you need the other echo speakers but I still think you have the voice control in there the right th the thing that makes me the most excited is the night mode I'll tell mm. you as a as in the a Roku? as so yes as someone who lives in an LA apartment with thin walls and a subwoofer that's not that shitty um the word uh, no matter how hard i try my wall is being banged on 11 o'clock at night because the credits on a tv show got too loud right i would love the ability to have a thing that in amplifies dialogue but not amplifies anything else for my late night viewing and so my neighbors stop banging i'm i am all in for that yeah yeah that, I mean, that that's independent of the soundbar, right? That That's something Roku can bring to a lot of other stuff. Uh, right. Stuff, I mean, so. where's that software update? Give me yeah, that yeah. software update. Totally. Uh, and uh, finally, Apple has an announcement coming Tuesday, September 10th, uh, which is the day after we're recording this episode. We'll talk about that on the next episode of Cord Killers, at least as much as it bears on Apple TV and Apple TV+. Plus. Let's talk about what to watch in Under Surveillance. Hey, Brian. Yeah? I know you're sad to hear that Apple TV Plus has canceled its first show. Look, when something is going to be this great, you need to cancel the, the you got to trim the fat before it ever sees the light of day. Before you ever let a single show air. You exactly. Gotta, you, you Look, prove. That's, that's how great Apple TV is going to be. They're already canceling the trash. See, they got uh, it all figured out. 
The show is called Bastards. It's an eight-episode series from Howard Gordon and Warren Leet, or was, uh, about two best friends who go on a shooting rampage 50 years after returning from the Vietnam War because a woman they both loved was killed in an accident. And apparently there were creative differences of whether to focus on the dark parts of that story or not. Uh, there, there, could, there were... Discussions about whether or not to air the show <laughs> in this climate right now. This, this is all right. right? Let me, I'm going to give you guys. A st- I'm going to tell you guys a story. It's the story of a show called Shooter, <laughs> USA. The show was supposed to, uh, and you know, the the plot of Shooter, the TV show, is not that dissimilar from the plot of Shooter, the movie. Um, and it was supposed to air, I believe, the week after the the Dallas shootings went down, like two years ago uh and they said we're gonna have to pull that more and more what's happening is there are and they pulled it and then they aired the show and then like i think there was like i think there may have been oh no because mr robot also i think the same year had dealt with like the, the shooting of the news yeah, reporter I mean, yeah. and they had to pull their finale right. and air it a week later like the, we're entering a stage where more and more of these shows that want to talk about the one of the most important things in our culture have to be shut down because these media, these big corporate media companies are very scared of airing these. You know, there's a, there was a, you know, there's a big discussion right now about the, the upcoming Joker movie mm-hmm. and how whether or not it's going to be a, a uh, lightning rod for incel culture. Um, and a lot of people wondering, is that, is that responsible? Is it responsible to have that movie? Now, that's a, I'm not even going to try and get into that debate, just to, other than to say it exists. But this conversation of should we be, you know, is is it responsible? Apple's taking the approach of, you know, remember, Apple wants to be the NBC of streaming. That's what's been reported. They want to be the NBC of streaming. Well, you can't be the NBC of streaming if you're airing a show about a shooting rampage yeah. about a cross. That a doesn't cross-lover. make for a must-see Thursday. No. <laughs> uh, and, and that's the thing. If this was a show dealing with the issues of mass shootings, that's one thing. It was a lighthearted romp, uh, is is what it was sounded like, and and all of the stories that are talking about creative differences and Apple wanted to to focus on the friendship. Uh, yeah, I think it all goes out the window, Merrill, because isn't this just them saying no, we're not going to put a series about shooting yeah. up on Apple? Well, I, I, is there a reason that they couldn't just say that? What's the, what's with this lies about uh, or this this I don't know smoke well, screen of like creative, creative. It's, it's like they're censoring. That's why there's no well there's no there's no statement from Apple about this at all. This is all like our sources. Are this is all behind the so, scenes stuff. Yeah. yeah so yeah, the yeah. creative dis- differences being, uh, well, I would like to make this show, and then and the the people paying for it says, <laughs> well, we would like you to not make this show. Sounds like we have creative. <laughs> oh. I guess we have creative differences. <laughs> also, we're the ones writing the check. Yeah. Uh, not to worry, though, Brian. Apple's going to be just fine. Oh. Apple TV Plus. Uh, not just fine. Uh, it's going to be great, Tom. It's going to be great. Uh, they they keep adding shows to the lineup. Joseph Gordon-Levitt's going to act, write, and executive produce Mr. Corman about an elementary school teacher in Los Angeles dealing with being an adult. And Apple has acquired the documentary Dads from Imagine Documentaries, uh, directed by Imagine Documentaries uh, co-owner Ron Howard's daughter, Bryce Dallas Howard, telling the story of modern fatherhood around the world, including celebrity fathers like Jimmy Fallon, Neil Patrick Harris, and Will Smith. Yeah, I'll be curious uh, what that looks like. I mean, obviously, I I am probably the target demographic. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, it at this point, I I don't I'm so over caring about Apple <laughs> shows until I see an Apple show. Like, <laughs> let me see a show. 
Then yeah. I'll make a I'll make a comment. But at this point, they have all these things in development, and it's like, are they even, like we know now that like what the two of them are real because we've seen trailers. But I'm I, I believe by the time many people are listening to this, we will have a date for the launch of Apple TV Plus, or at least I hope so. Is my 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 sincere hope. Uh, let's move on to sorry because we had the Labor Day holiday last week. We didn't get to talk about this. Netflix announced The Irishman, directed by Martin Scorsese, starring Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, and Joe Pesci, will debut in theaters in the United States November 1st, in the UK November 8th, and arrive on Netflix November 27th, which is Thanksgiving Day in the United States. Now, if you're uh, thinking in your head, that doesn't sound like a 90-day theater exclusive, you're right. That's a 27-day theater exclusive, at least in the United States. Uh, and major theater chains have not capitulated on their 90-day exclusive, so you will not see The Irishman in AMC, Cineplex, Regal, or Cinemark theaters, probably a bunch of others too. So this is one of those things where uh, that is enough time for it to get uh, Academy Award consideration, but not not what the industry standard of of what these uh, theaters expect, right? Uh, yeah, no, the theaters are are got a line in the sand that they they won't budge. The thing to me is a few things about this story. One is, I think it the theaters got a very convenient out on a almost four hour long movie. Like the runtime of the Irishman is being reported to be, I believe, three and a half, if I'm not mistaken, three wow. and a half hours. It's a long freaking movie. And the fact is that AMC and Cinemark and all those chains make their money on turnover. Um, and so, you know, however, a chain like, say, the Alamo Draft House would love screening. They'll make a day of it. Right. And also yeah, it's right. more it's more food coming through the kitchen. It's you know, it's a larger, bigger and bigger dinner checks like that's great for them. AMC and those theater chains, the Irishman isn't exactly a good buy for them, regardless of the Netflix part of it. Um, and so I get it, um, you know, is and the fact is that I'm sure that cinephiles that want to see this movie big will find a way to see it big. They'll go to their landmark theater, their Alamo Draft House, exactly. Right. So, and so, I mean, overall, uh, I think we're kind of uh, blowing up a story that doesn't need that much blowing up. I mean, if you really break it down on the business model, I think there's more than just the window, the theater window that keeps the Irishman in particular um, out of the bigger chains. All right. Now, we know the OA was canceled by Netflix in August. Uh, We know now that there is not going to be a movie uh, to wrap it up. And sources tell Variety the reason there won't be a movie is that the show's creators planned a five-season run. It's only had two seasons, and a two-hour movie doesn't seem sufficient to encapsulate those last three seasons. However, some people think that those sources talking to Variety are called Netflix executives. Meryl, what's the truth behind this? What do you think? I have no truth, but I'll tell you, my conspiracy brain is going off. Get Brian on the screen. Bryce, put Brian on the screen. Put Brian on the screen. Brian, conspiracy yes. brothers right now. All right, okay? all right, all right. Brothers. My conspiracy brain says to me that given the new Netflix business model is three seasons and out, if they were planning a five-season story, they were approached being told – you can have one more season, and they said no. We want f- two, we want three more, and they Netflix said, "All right, go f- yourself." Like, I one hundred percent. My conspiracy brain is making me think this. Hey man, look, it's not a conspiracy if it's patently obvious. I'm on. Look, welcome to our podcast, <laughs> The Truth, featuring Marilyn Bry. <laughs> <laughs> 
You can't spell truth without Ruth. I don't know what that means, but uh, yeah. I, the, the way I test these kind of theories, I don't even think that's a conspiracy theory so much. It's just a theory of what happened behind the scenes that could be true. I, the, the, I, I actually could see that scenario playing out where uh, they say, hey, we'll give you one more season. OA says, no, we got a five season arc. Netflix says, well, if you don't want one more season, you get no more seasons. The OA folks are like, oh, well, then, you know, screw you, too. And then that's the end of that. And of course, there wouldn't be a movie if that's the mood between these days. So, and I mean, the theory certainly fits the facts. We don't know if it's true or not. Especially uh, if if they were promised at the beginning of this, like, hey, man, we're Netflix. We support you. You know, you want five seasons. We're all about just ongoing forever. You, you could definitely tell your epic sprawling story. And there's no way you'll be canceled midway through. Because they were yeah. saying five seasons when season one beginning. was out. Yeah. yeah, they knew we have this big grand plan. Mm. You know, that's not the craziest. It's not like Netflix theory. didn't know that they had five seasons worth of content, right? Well, to, be fair, to be fair, it's been, what, two years since the original season aired? Yeah. Um, almost two years since the original season aired. It's been so long that Netflix as a company systematically changed from when they were. They, I guarantee you that when they were ordered, Netflix was like, five seasons, yeah. And then Netflix watched its viewership numbers start to dip and dip and dip, and they realized, oh, we need to start being a three-season-out company. Or... I mean, maybe. I, I think it's just as reasonable to think Netflix was like, you know what? We don't know what's going to happen. We're throwing money at the wall. You want five seasons? That's perfectly possible, right? And, right. And, and then learned over time, okay, these shows can't, we can't afford there, you know, we're figuring out as we go along what the actual math is on what moves the needle on subscriptions. And OA, you, you don't fit our our model anymore. So we're not going to spend. I mean, Netflix shouldn't spend money on shows that aren't helping it continue to succeed. So I, I would, you know, give them that side of it, even if even if you want more seasons. I will say. I just though, want to go talk to the the woman that's protesting in front of Netflix. I think oh, she's still gosh. there. Is she really? I yeah, I think uh, maybe. Is but like she she came out and said that, and this is where suddenly I'm on her side. She came out and said, um, "I'm well. I am protesting the canceling issue. The way I'm more protesting uh, the uh, the way capitalism capitalism and the way it treats AI and how AI is. So it's like now I'm on your side. God damn it! I don't want to be on your side." <laughs> Uh, and Richard Linklater, uh, you may remember, spent 12 years shooting the movie Boyhood so that he could use the same actors without aging them with makeup or special effects, just letting them age naturally. Uh, now, Linklater plans to spend 20 years shooting an adaptation of Stephen Sondheim and George Firth's Merrily We Roll Along. Bernie Feldstein, Ben Platt, and Blake Jenner will star. If you're not familiar, the musical is based on a play, both of which tell the story of a composer who has abandoned composing to become a producer and starts at the height of his career with each scene moving backwards in time. So obviously they won't be shooting this in the order it appears on the movie screen. They'll be shooting the end of the movie first uh, as the and as the actors age, they can shoot earlier and earlier scenes in the movie. Uh, by the way, I did the math link later. It'll be 79 when the film's done. It is very optimistic of link later to think our world will still exist in 20 years. I must <laughs> say <laughs> uh, it's a hopeful sign. That's true. Yeah. I and, you know, uh, I'm sure that the uh, the. The production company has has is taking great pains to ensure that he will be healthy and live to seventy nine. Right. 
What although, happens, although, I mean, I, I don't want to be macabre, but what happens if, if they're like 17 years into shooting this and I, suddenly, I, I guarantee that, well, that, that I, before he can't, he can't even direct, maybe he's not even dead. Maybe he just can't direct it. I guarantee before even one frame of this is shot, they have contingency plans and All everything's sketched out. out. Yeah. I mean, like, like yeah. just like we had with uh, game of Thrones and if, if mm -hmm. George R. R. Martin wasn't still with us and stuff. Yeah. All right. That's fair. A uh, bunch of notes here. I'm going to throw out all at once. Trailers out for Mr. Robot's final season arriving on USA October 6th. Uh, if you want to catch up, the three previous seasons are on Prime Video. Uh, final trailer for The Joker, as we mentioned earlier, is out. Uh, that a movie arrives in theaters October 4th. Netflix announced a slate of Korean dramas, including, including uh, season two of zombie thriller Kingdom, uh, as well as a supernatural action drama, The School Nurse Files, and a sci-fi romance called My Hollow Love. Will Poulter has been announced as uh, one of the lead roles in Prime Video series based on parts of The Lord of the Rings. Uh, you might know him from Maze Runner. Uh, Margaret Atwood released a sequel book to The Handmaid's Tale called The Testaments, and MGM Television and Hulu are developing a series based on it, just like they did on the first book. Uh, the Testaments picks up 15 years after the final events of the Handmaid's Tale novel. The series has already gone past the end of the novel. Uh, CBS renewed Big Brother for a 22nd season coming uh, September or summer 2020. Voodoo released a trailer for its free original series based on the movie Mr. Mom, MGM TV producing that one too, coming to Voodoo September 12th. Each episode's 12 to 15 minutes long, shorter series. Uh, Netflix's Grace and Frankie, uh, that's the one starring Jane Fonda, Lily Tomlin, Martin Sheen, and Sam Waterston, will end after its seventh season. So you just have to be old. Then you get seven seasons on Netflix. Uh, that'll give it 94 episodes, most of any Netflix original season. And season six of Grace and Frankie premieres in January. Finally, a trailer is out for Netflix's music competition show Rhythm and Flow that has Cardi B, Chance the Rapper, and T.I. as judges. Ten episodes will run over the course of three weeks starting October 9th. Dude, did you see that buzz about a Joker winning a Golden Lion Award? I did. Uh, you think it's deserved, or you think it's just a hooray for uh, for for uh, Joaquin Phoenix's acting? Uh, yeah, it's okay. I'm not gonna give away any anything, but there's this uh, script was leaked and it was real, and the things that I have been told about what's in that movie, I mean, it's definitely clear why and the, the uh, a indie film festival loves this movie so much. But it is in terms of like. I don't know, man. Like, I don't, I'm not, I don't know how excited I am for this movie. I, maybe I, look, there's been a lot of movies this year. I was like, I'm going to go see that. And then I didn't, I still haven't seen Hobbs and Shaw. So like, I don't know if I'm even going to go see it or not. We'll see. But like, just there's things about this movie that I don't love. But I'm, you know, I'm judging, this is all speculation. I'm judging without having seen it, to be fair. But I'm going off, and I am going off what I heard. I don't know. I mean, clearly a lot of people love it, so maybe I'm wrong. But just, you know, there's just also just the trailer in general to give me this dirty vibe. And it's just like, it's the movie feels grimy and dirty and not in that fun. It doesn't feel grimy and dirty the way Heath Ledger's Joker is grimy and dirty, right? Th this movie feels like it's going to make me sick by the end of it. And we'll see if that's true or not. All right. Uh, let's talk about some other things you have had your eyes on. Uh, starting with you, Meryl, what you've been watching? Okay, like? guys, I don't, I don't have a lot of time. I don't have time to tell you about the awesomeness of Who Assassins on Netflix that you should watch. I don't have time to tell you I've been enjoying a binge of leverage of a show I've, I've been meaning to see and have, I'm, I'm finally watching because I'm, I'm, guys, I've invented time travel. I'm coming to you from the future. 
And I, because I have seen, I have seen the gods. I have seen heaven. And it is a show that is premiering this Friday on Netflix. I mean, on Amazon, not Netflix, on Amazon, called Undone. It stars Rosa Salazar from Alita Battle Angel and Bob Odenkirk. And, all right, this is, everything I'm about to lay out is mentioned by the end of the second episode. So I'm not spoiling a series. Just, I'm going to read what I wrote. I've been writing to some friends. An adult animated half-hour drama done in the style of Scanner Darkly about a Texas-dwelling woman that discovers a way to access time non-linearly through her psychosis brought on by a car crash that may or may not involve her dead father played by Bob Odenkirk. Do you not want to... I mean, I, I, I hesitate to say masterpiece. <laughs> However, I have not felt... I've watched the first five episodes and I've not felt this good about a freaking show since Mr. Robot. And I was the first guy to say Mr. Robot is a modern classic. And I was right on the first season, not so much on the rest. But these first five episodes of this show are gorgeous. And I cannot stress enough that everyone needs to watch this show. I'll definitely give it a try. I loved uh, Scanner Darkly. Uh, I, I love, uh, you know, uh, yeah, sure. I'm, I'm in. Sold. Merrill, you, Merrill, you've come undone. <laughs> I, I, I'm i in. I mean, after that enthusiastic recommendation, how could I not? That Plus, it's got, I mean, I actually enjoyed Alita Battle Angel. I thought she was great in it. Uh, Odenkirk, I mean, he could read read he read one page of the phone book and and I'd subscribe. Like I I'm I'm in. Sounds good. It's just it's it is. I have never seen a TV show like this. I haven't seen a lot of haven't even seen a lot of movies. Like it uses a lot of the 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 things that the rotoscoping technique allows the show to do. What it allows it to do. It you it it really takes advantage of those opportunities. It takes advantage of the ways it can really bend reality in this show and really sort of make you go, what the fuck is going on? It's, I, it's just so it's, it's really just, I was sucked in. I was shocked how much I love this show. I'm not, I mean, this is, you know, it's definitely the best new show of the fall. And it so far is right now my contender for best new show of the year, but you know, there's still more year of the year to go. More year to come, but I, I, well, so Friday on prime video, Friday, Friday All on right. prime. Got to check that out. Brian, what do you had your eyes on? Uh, so so I did a, a two-day class. I taught a class at uh, Wizard Academy, and we were oh, talking cool. about uh, so, sort of the fundamentals of how to build a an, an audience through online video. So that meant that we looked at a lot of examples of of people who are doing stuff really well. And so we brought up yeah, in a nutshell, th those guys. And uh, uh, we were just wanting to show, hey, this is what an informational dump with buttery smooth visuals that's really fun, has good pacing, looks like. And we hit play on their latest one, and it turned out not to be that at all. It turned out to be uh, a short story written by Andy Weir called The Egg. And, uh, and it was so off-brand for them that like, it took me about a minute to realize, oh, they're just trying something very, very very different and then by that point the class was sucked in i was sucked in so we had to watch the next five minutes and it was it was delightful so um i, I mean it's a great lesson in 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 experimenting with your brand i guess right well yeah and and it, it actually was a moment for us to say hey this is what you get to do after you earn an audience is yeah, you get yeah. to be experimental and do stuff like that uh but anyway uh, uh check check out uh, the in a nutshell uh uh, I want to, I think I may have mentioned it before, but we just uh, finished uh, watching Hotel Del Luna, 
uh, which also just finished airing on TVN in Korea. It is available on the Viki app uh, for free. And it is about a woman who is cursed for a thousand years uh, to run a hotel for ghosts. So when you die, uh, you wander over to Hotel Del Luna. Uh, they put you up uh, and help you move on uh, to the next life. Uh, and and the plot is about them needing to get a new. They always have to have a human manager for you know universe reasons, uh, and they need to get a new human manager. So so the woman who runs the hotel, the thousand year old ghost, uh, tricks uh, the guy to come in. And it's just it's just beautiful. It, it's it's got it's like a cute goth series. Uh, so you have a, a little bit of a ghost of the week episode in each episode, but there's an overall story about whether the owner of the hotel can resolve her own issues and end the thousand year old curse and move on. And of course the hotel manager starts to have feelings for her and will that tear them apart? And is, you know, can, can he love her and still help her move on as a ghost? This, and he's a human and all that sort of thing. This is a foreign show. It's a Korean show. Yeah. This is okay. If I, 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 there's no way that isn't adapted at some point. Like, there's no oh, way. It's so good. Yeah. I it, can't there's no way someone does. That's a premise that like begs for like and like it'd be NBC. NBC would look at that and go, "Oh, we got that one. That's ours." Yeah. I mean, I could even see like I don't know, Sci-Fi Network or somebody. Yeah, USA, Sci-Fi be good too. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, this is, uh, it was one of the, it was the highest rated cable show in, in Korea for the past, uh, several months. Uh, and it's worth, worth a watch. If you don't mind subtitles, uh, go check it out. Hotel Del Luna. What should we be on the lookout for, Bryce? Hey, we got a historical drama pick in the inbox from John. John writes, howdy. I would like to suggest a show available through PB PBS if you have Passport, uh, which you get by donating to your local station. Uh, the show is called Line of Separation. It takes place in a small German village in the last few days of World War II uh, and beyond. The village is liberated by the Americans as the SS is ex is executing people in the square, but it ends up at the border between American and Soviet zones of occupation. Thank you for the great show. I now watch shows exclusively on my iPad and have no television. Uh, thank you, John. Like John mentioned, PBS uh, has this streaming via the PBS Passport, which you usually get by donating to your local PBS affiliate. So check out uh, whatever your local PBS station is. There are six episodes, which were originally two seasons in the German uh, version of the show, are oh. streaming there now uh, on PBS Passport. Thank you, John. Howdy. And is it in German? Uh, I think so. That would make sense. All right. Yeah. Cool. Uh, that's awesome. If you got something we should be on the lookout for, email us, cordkillers at gmail.com. Brian, how are the seven acres? Oh, my God. It's finally happening. Like, uh, we put together a video of sort of showing everything that's changed over the last year, and a lot has changed. We were able to put in a giant soundstage warehouse. We were able to uh, build out the studio with sound baffling to make it something that, that we're going to be able to do all of our podcasts out of. The interior is now safe. Uh, there was exposed insulation and wiring. The septic system has been installed. Um, it, it has been an extraordinary journey on all of this and we did a good job of cash flowing everything but now we're at the last 10 percent of funding and we've done a really good job of not asking for money directly but we're at that point where it's like we're we're literally out of cash like like bills are coming and i don't know how i'm going to pay for them so we're opening it up to donors 
Uh, we're just at the beginning of of what I hope is like a two-week fundraising journey that begins with, if you go to scamstuff.com, you'll see a uh, fundraiser thing. Uh, there's uh, Right now, there's only four reward tiers. Like, if you're able to donate 50 bucks, we'll give you a literal piece of the property, like a piece of the Berlin Wall. And nice. uh, if you have more money, if you want to give us 500, we'll give you a much more interesting piece of, of, of the Berlin Wall, plus uh, uh, just a, a, a grab bag of sweet loot from Scam Stuff that I think you'll be really, really pleased with. If you're an insane person who has a lot of money wants to come visit if you want to donate five thousand dollars uh you can stay for two nights you could be one of the first (laughs) guests at the seven acres wood and we'll spend the day hanging out and i'll show you all my favorite parts of austin i'll probably take you over to wizard academy and stuff and someone out there has more money than sense so if you want to throw twenty five thousand dollars our way we will name permanently name the soundstage after you so here's the thing Uh, (laughs) i'm sure nothing bad will happen i'm sure it'll be fine (laughs) here's the thing like i want i want some crazy person to do it but then like crowdsource what you should name (laughs) get ready for a studio mcstudio face and name it after me uh yeah so the uh uh but basically uh we're we're gonna come up with a bunch of other tiers i actually have most of them all sketched out but i wanted to hold back and just know if you pledge at any of those levels or 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 donate then whatever levels come underneath you you're gonna get all of those benefits as well sort of like a kickstarter thing where it's like congrats all of you also get this but we want to go a piece of it at the time uh the good news is of all the money that we hope to raise uh Five days into it, so far we've just sent out an email and only sent out one uh, Modern Rogue video, and uh, we're already 40% of the way to our total fundraising goals. Yeah, so uh, uh, by all means, jump in. Uh, Rewards are limited, but uh, thank you guys, man. This is the beginning, and and part of what I wanted to convey in that video is like, we're not messing around here. This is is rubber meets the road. This is, this is, I want to see that, 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 that this isn't pie in the, the sky someday around that corner will be that beautiful horizon. Like we're already there and it's within reach. This yeah. is the, I am, I have, I've been watching the progress of, of the puppy for a, for a few years and it is, I am, I, with the video that went out on Sunday, I was shocked by what's become of that property since the year prior when it was, it, I mean, I'm pretty sure you definitely had to exercise and ghost from that property. <laughs> uh, good news. Uh, we've, we've, we've got a, 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 a seance guy coming in next month and we'll have the opportunity yes. to exercise ghosts. We got to keep the ghosts around for a little bit longer. <laughs> you and me both, Meryl. Like, uh, I, yeah, I remember uh, appearing at South by Southwest uh, and walking on the property. I'm like, wow, uh, Brian, you definitely bought something with a lot of potential. And then week and a half ago now, almost two weeks ago tomorrow, I walked over there and was like, Brian, you, you built something like this is a working studio, working house. It's a shed. Like, like it's, it's, it's there. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing how fast you made that, that progress, Brian. I'm so excited. Uh, dude, I'm so excited too. And, and to think that this is only the beginning and we want to make it a true podcast and, and media artist collective, you know, where, where you get those synergies of talented people all in the same place at the same time. Uh, fingers crossed. I think it's going to be a, a real adventure. Here is my, here is my suggestion. Yep. The, I know that you were originally you were saying you've been saying you know you're planning in like next week or two or three you might be moving in there to start broadcasting out of. I would say I would say the winter draft is coming up end of this month, right? Yep, right. The you should be having like the win the winter draft should be your first official broadcast out of out of that out of that 
room and you have as many as possible, as many of the containers as possible in the room with bidding paddles oh, bidding on movies. <laughs> we could hire a legitimate uh, uh, auctioneer. Yes, yes. <laughs> That's amazing. That'd be great. Love anyway, that uh, scamstuff.com. That's where you go to donate and, and uh, 100% of all proceeds go to building out this fantastic artist collective and uh, keep you guys getting bigger, better, interesting stories. Join the Cocos, comrades. All right, let's move on to the front lines. Front lines. Plex announced that later this year, it will add an on-demand library of movies and TV series from Warner Brothers for U.S. Plex users uh, for free with ads. So just like what Voodoo's doing, what Roku's doing, Plex is going to be doing natively in their own service. Content will be available whether you pay for Plex Premium or not. Uh, it's not a Plex Premium feature. Plex plans to add content from other partners as well. So it's Warner Brothers to start with, but there should be a, an expanding selection as time goes on. And Netflix is launching a new tab in its app called Latest, which gives a personalized list of content due to be released over the following two weeks. The recommendations will be organized into three sections, uh, new this week, coming this week, and coming next week. If you like something, <laughs> you can click to remind to get a notification when it's ready to watch. I, I, I don't know. Is that something you guys think you'll use? Do you, do you tag stuff for, for future you to, to be excited about mm, i just usually remember it but that said is oh, i always see evil complaining it's like that thing was out the thing i wanted to see is out so i mean this might be a good feature for those people yeah I, I don't know if i'll go into the tab to look at it that's 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 my only thought uh yeah. if it was just in one of the sections i probably would i, I will intend to go in there and never yeah, get around right. to exactly uh quibi content executive janice min is no longer an executive at quibi uh the former top editor at hollywood reporter is leaving quibi uh, this follows the departure of the head of partnerships and advertising, Tom Connolly. Uh, they are saying that these departures are unrelated, uh, but it is a little unsettling to see two executives lead so close together. Uh, Quibi set to launch April sixth. I Tom, knew I wasn't going to get out of a moder of a quarter of a court killer show. Oh, you know I put this in because you're. Here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, Tom. Everybody knows that the sign of an unstoppable force is when executive starts bailing <laughs> no, before like, it even like, launches. But you have to remember that uh, Quibi is ultimately a startup and the thing about startup is it has to fight its sea legs and possible that those execs are just not fitting in with the sea legs that they need like it's, it's i don't i will i will i when i saw i saw both the stories i wasn't concerned when i saw the executives think about hollywood executives leave all the time that's what you don't hear about it usually sources that i may cultivate in this industry say things remain unchanged in their relationships with quibi despite the departure of janice min I have no idea who you could be speaking about. But meanwhile, speaking at Variety's Entertainment and Technology Summit last week, Sony Pictures chairman and CEO Tony Vinciquera, I think I got it, said there was no ill will between Sony and Disney. But as to Spider-Man returning to the MCU, for the moment, the door is closed. Sony plans to launch its own universe using Spider-Man characters. Ugh. Yeah. Tell me, tell me, this is just more hard bargaining. No, no, I, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, uh, we, we it have means a... more into the Spider Verse. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, I mean, that's not a bad thing. Right? Yes, we're gonna get that either way. Like I, that, we were gonna get yeah, that. I know way. exactly. We we're gonna get that. We, anyway. we have a letter coming up around the corner that I think lays out the case for why, uh, almost certainly, that that marriage is over. Uh, no, we don't, because uh, that letter was full of errors that oh. were not true. Okay, so. well, that's fine. But, but, but the gist of the letter, which I'll go ahead and spoil right now, is is that uh, uh, Sony made enough money 
uh, on all on Venom on all of its current plans. That uh, that there's just no need to muck with that. And they're money making wise, they'll be fine. But I think for hardcore fans, uh, that was a real magical few movies that we got with uh, with with Spider Man. I mean, when when you take into account the whole like idea of. Uh of uh, how a lot of them, the the regular audience isn't oh, tracking these things the way we are. I think just when the next Spider-Man movie shows up and he's not in the MCU anymore, or possibly even not even Tom Holland anymore, um, a lot of people are going to go, "What the hell's going on?" And they're going to be very confused. Like, yeah, it is. It is funny. I, I feel like it's lost in this conversation sometimes. Is that Disney owns Spider-Man? Some people are like, Disney doesn't should let Sony just keep its rights to Spider-Man. It's theirs after all. It's like no. Uh, I, th- I think people forget Disney or Marvel actually before they were owned by Disney licensed Spider-Man to Sony in such a way that Sony can keep it. But it's not like Sony owns Spider-Man. They just have this long-term license to use it. So I mean, I'm not saying yeah, that, but that they, they do own the rights to, they, to they do as much the as they want. They with... own the rights to use Spider-Man right. because Disney give it gave the or marvel gave them the rights and now disney has to abide by that agreement because disney bought marvel but i think some people think sony owns spider-man and they don't they own the rights to use spider-man does that make sense yeah yeah but i mean that ultimately i mean when the when the biggest driver of every other comic book thing right now is the films that makes the films the most important element of the business model and so no sony doesn't own spider-man but but in the world of movies, Spider-Man? but but in the world of movies, they do own Spider-Man. They're allowed to yes. make Spider-Man right, right, movies, right, right. and but nobody else is. Are, some people are starting to make moral arguments that Disney should tr- stop trying to take Spider-Man. Oh, <laughs> Disney should stop trying to be the tr- Disney. Yeah, stuff and I'm like, well, wait a minute, hold on. You you have to understand that if if Disney could do it over again, they wouldn't have given Sony such a perpetual license to Spider-Man. But that's just the way. Well, it's not do it over again. Do it at all. Disney didn't do any of this. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Uh, Google has added a feature to help you find a TV show to watch. If you're on mobile, go to Google, type in a certain search phrase. You can try what to watch, horror movies from the 80s, and you will find a guided service. Now, I had to tap on it. Some people said it came up automatically, but I had to tap on it. But the guided service asks you what shows you like, what subscription services you use. Uh, So it gives you like, you know, pictures of shows it thinks you might like, and then you swipe right if you like a show, left if you don't. System then makes recommendations after that anytime you search and tells you where you can watch or rent them. Very cool. Google invented Tinder for TV. Yeah, kind of. (laughs) (laughs) But like if you're like, ah, I want a horror movie from the 80s, right? That's one of their examples. If you've done this, it will give you horror movies that it thinks you're going to like based on what you've told it. This just goes back. This just goes back to my idea that what we really need is every streamer needs a live streaming element because the, the, you keep, the, 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 we keep coming up with these apps and these things to say, I don't know what I want to watch, tell I want to watch. Just put a live streaming channel on Netflix. It solves this problem. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Well, we, we can revisit that. But uh, one, one example that, that bolsters your argument is Twitch launched a beta of its Apple TV app through the Apple's Test Flight app. Users will be able to view live streams, engage with on-screen chat, uh, and browse through channels sorted by popular games. It's unclear when Twitch plans to make the app available in the App Store. What do you think that looks like on an Apple TV? You just talk and you do voice dictation for to participate in the chat? You could. It's got because that's how you can do I mean, search. You can search yeah. and you can you can type out. You can say A, B, C, like 
They, that well, would or you you could just use the Siri button. You could you can just uh, be you know click on the the chat bubble and then hold down the mic and say mm -hmm. uh, that's a really great point, Brian. And then <laughs> over. I, well, and you know the other thing it has is when you get into a text box, your phone will vibrate and say, "Hey, uh, you're on a text oh, input. Yeah. You can type here." And so that would that would uh, loosen some steps between I need to have the Twitch app on my phone and set to chat only and keep it on the whole time. That that might reduce some friction there. Yeah. But Bryce, what does this mean for the Twitchy Apple TV app? I don't know. Twitchy is a third-party Apple TV app, which is very good. I hope that they keep it because it's very nice, and I would hate to lose the options. That's, that's what I would hate to lose is the option to have a good third-party app. All right, let's get to some dispatches from the front. Sean writes, as a St. Louis sports fan, Tom, do you know if the NHL package online would give me all blues games on Fox Sports Midwest? After the Fox Disney deal, I don't know if Sling will continue to have Fox Sports Midwest. I typically sign up for Sling for just the hockey season to get Fox Sports Midwest. If I sign up for the NHL package, I get blacked out of home games. I could have a friend in another city sign up for me unless they geoblock. Bad news, they geoblock. How does MLB do it? They geoblock. With the MLB package, can you see all Dodgers games or are they blacked out? They're blacked out. Any experience would be greatly appreciated. Yeah, um, well, if you want to watch the Stanley Cup champion St. Louis Blues uh, this year, Sean, <laughs> uh, my recommendation would be to just keep sling if you're in St. Louis. Because if you sign up for NHL.com, they're going to black out the St. Louis games if you're in the St. Louis viewing area. Uh, so there, there's no reason to think that Fox Sports Midwest will go away from Sling now that Sinclair owns it. Uh, those deals transferred over to S Sinclair. Sinclair doesn't seem to have a beef with Dish. They're going to want carriage. Uh, so I, I wouldn't worry too much about that. I think you could probably subscribe to Sling and get Fox Sports Midwest. I know Fox Sports Midwest is also on PlayStation View. But yeah, your NHL package is going to black you out unless you're not in St. Louis. It doesn't matter who signs it up. In fact, if I travel outside of the L.A. region, I can watch the Dodgers games, but I might be blacked out like if I'm in Austin, I might be blacked out of the Houston Astros games, for instance. So it all depends on where you actually are. The other thing MLB does, I'm not sure if NHL does this, they will geo block based on your GPS. Uh, they, they, so you can't just use a VPN on your phone to get around it because they'll look at your location information. Wow. Uh, meanwhile, Stephen, who uh, knows an awful lot about the comics industry, uh, says, I remember a couple weeks ago we were talking about the Moon Knight series, and I said, I always just thought Moon Knight was just, you know, Marvel Batman. And uh, he agrees. He said, yes, pretty much. He thought that at the time. But he says now, uh, he says that, but if you're going to look from a menu of Batmans, he puts Moon Knight as his third favorite Batman. Oh. He, he actually puts uh, the arcs by uh, Doug Mensch and uh, uh, Bill Sinkiewicz, uh, Sinkiewicz uh, above above those. Um, and then he, he says that he was never a fan of the, the Dark Knight, Frank Miller stuff. He says, but I told Frank that, <laughs> which I wow. thought was a, a very cool, subtle, humble brag to throw <laughs> Frank in there. Frank knows. It's OK. Yeah. But that's but that's great, though. I'm glad to know that there's a, that there's unique, unique aspects to this take. Yeah, very cool. Thanks for sharing that insight, man. I appreciate that. Uh, Scott writes, hello, Tom, Brian, and Bryce. I find myself lucky that I live in a town with a small, independent, one-screen movie theater from the 1920s. It typically does second-run movies, but on the weekends, it'll do cult classic series. Some of these are anime or holiday-related, and two of which are Home Alone and Die Hard. 
Unfortunately, my local theater broke the news that there will be no Die Hard this year. Christmas is canceled because <laughs> Disney, buying out Fox, pulled the catalog. Uh, I posted an article speculating that Disney would prefer us buying subscriptions to Disney Plus and Hulu. I really enjoy seeing older movies in the theater, and I'm very concerned. I wanted to bring it to your attention because there is another side of the merger that's hurting smaller businesses and consumers. And yeah, uh, there's a great LA Times article about this. Uh, Disney's longstanding policy, long before Disney Plus and Hulu, uh, was not to allow first-run theaters or commercial discount cinemas to screen movies from its library. Uh, not just the animated classics like Lady and the Tramp and stuff, but even stuff like The Sixth Sense. So they are now applying that longstanding policy to the Fox movies that they own. What it shouldn't is be the, a surprise, but it's pretty disappointing. What is the business advantage of doing? I understand why on the home video front, the idea of the vault and all that stuff, right? But on the theatrical front, what is the, what is your, aren't you cutting out basically what is free money? Hey, Disney, would you like free money? Yes, I would like free money. Cool. Can we uh, movie? It's, sure. it's, uh, like, look, that you have a machine that a bicycle that you pedal and spits out hundred dollar bills and you got another bicycle that spits out pennies. Uh, shut down that penny spitting bicycle because it only is confusing people about which bicycle to get on to have to have to allow me to screen Die Hard, right? Well, that, they have to ship out the the prints and and all like that. the theaters pay for that. Like every put, put co correct, but the but but ubiquity of access does reduce the specialness. I mean, it's 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 a fact that that because you can't get it everywhere. Like if when they say when they say very excitedly, "Hey man, mass remastered version of Die Hard," it will mean less. You're like, oh, is that the thing that's on every freaking Sunday over at the at the the crap theater down the road? Um, like that matters, and and there are marketers that I mean, look, this is a this is a proven strategy that they've used for years and years and years. Yeah, and Brian's talking about the crap theater down the road from us, not the 1920s classic theater that Scott goes to. Which sure, sure, nice. but, but but that's just it. Is if you don't have that restriction, then it can yeah. go to crap theaters. Um, and, and they have they they would have to pay for someone to pull those things out and ship them out and track them, even if the theaters are giving them money. And they're like that. That's just overhead that we don't have to deal with if we don't ever do it. it just seems like bad goodwill. It it mm. yeah. It, yeah. If this is all a marginal money thing, then it seems like you're. You're taking something away from people that was working more or less. I don't know. Well, and I'm sure right. and I'm sure that if uh, Disney had their druthers, uh, they never would have done it to begin with. So, right. yes, to Disney's bring these at it, like in alignment with, align with policy. Nobody misses Disney movies in these theaters because they never had them. Exactly. So, yeah. so if they had a time machine, they would have never been there. Finally, Robin Peoria, Arizona says, one of your feedback writer enters struck a nerve with me. Why don't companies understand reasonable family sharing for their services? We pretty much manage the household for my in-laws. They're in our family cell phone plan, which works great. They're in our iCloud family sharing plan. That works great, too, but it starts to fall apart after that. Closest thing I've seen, Google has a reasonable family sharing plan for various things, including YouTube, YouTube TV. You can add up to six accounts, and I think it has three streams, which is a bit low for six accounts. Unfortunately, YouTube TV is missing some key channels my wife and her family want to watch. Most Puzzling one for me, AT&T Watch TV is something they bundle into their unlimited cell phone plans. However, it only offers one stream. Why on earth would they bundle it like that when all the people on the plan can't use it? Thanks for doing the good work and thank you for the kind words. Uh, uh, that's a great question. I suggest we ask AT&T. 
they don't even know what to call their own service right now. So, Rob, it's not not a shocker that they're doing something like that. You know, I would put in a, a, a point that, that Netflix, I think, does it right, where they're like, hey, there's one login, you can have multiple profiles, and then four streams. And we don't care where those streams are. We're not going to try to say your family has to live together. Spotify took some heat this week because they started a harder enforcement of their policy that the family plan has to all be under one household. Netflix is like, we don't care where the streams are. You get four, go for it. Right on. Hey, uh, Meryl, where can everybody read all of your awesome words? Okay, um, I'm going to do this very quickly because I want to get something. Sorry, uh, you can find my writing on Forbes.com. You can find my podcast, Word Tetris, at WordTetris.com. Find my Twitter at twitter.com slash Meryl Barr, uh, M-E-R-I-L-B-A-R. But guys, you know, I, that's cool. Oh, cool. Listen, I can't let go of this uh, live puppy draft idea. Uh, the winner live in person winner draft. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to hashtag puppy draft 2019. And you're just going to spam Brian with that hashtag. Just make it happen. We're just doing That's got to happen. We're, I'm not letting this go. Flash mob night attack tomorrow night. Do what you got to do. I, I, I'm putting this on you people. I'm putting this on you diamond club. You make this happen. I love the idea, man, but that's going to be a lot of plane tickets. I'm going to have to pay for You remember that we're doing a fundraiser right now? <laughs> Uh, people have to pay their own way. The claws added uh, after the fact. Our website is cordkillers.com. Our email address is cordkillers at gmail.com. We're live on twitch.tv slash night attack. Also carried on diamondclub.tv. Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. We'll see you again next week. Hey, guys. Brian and Tom here, and it's just the same old message. At the end of the credits, just like always. That's right, Brian. Nothing new here except your name showing up. Oh my gosh! Because I've you got a just name. supported us on Patreon. Yeah, all those five dollar donors. Look at that. That's your name in pixels. When we're gonna make you famous, kid. Put your There's name some in pixels on the internet. names in there. But some of you are new. Some of you aren't there. It's sad. What can they do, Brian? I mean, they could go to patreon.com slash cord killers and pledge five dollars an episode and be one of these amazing people, like this be one. Amazing. Oh, look at look at that name right there. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>